Amen, amen, amen. Everybody give God praise this morning. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to another wonderful day that the Lord has made. And welcome back again uh, to our last session on Crash the Chatterbox. How true is that video about life? How true is that about life that from the point that you wake up in the morning, the chatterbox just starts in our minds, right? It tells us, why am I getting up? Why am I going to this job? Why, do I, why am I putting this on? Just all those thoughts come and go through our heads every morning that we get up, get up and then we get ready to go to work. The thing I like about it is the end, right? I like the end. I think if, 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 if we could learn from that in the fact that uh, she got fed up with the chatterbox so much so that she decided that she was going to put an end to it, right? And, and, and I think that that's uh, something that we all can be in, encouraged about. Um, because uh, let's be truthful. I mean, as we've been talking about this subject of chatterbox, that uh, the one thing that we know is, is that the chatterbox is not going to go away. And, and, that, and that's really why she said, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Um, if we be honest, it's probably more like see you in an hour. See you at lunchtime. <laughs> Amen. Um, because the fact is, is that we're going to still deal with doubts. We're going to still deal with worries. Um, we're still going to have fears, insecurities. We're still going to have all of those things. And they're going to continue to happen and talk to us over and over again. Well, today, as we conclude our series on the Chatterbox, first of all, I hope that this has been a good series that has encouraged you in some kind of way. Amen. Amen. Because I, I, I know that for me personally, I, I deal with those four those four issues and, and more and, and that the, the enemy is always in my mind telling me that I can't, that I won't, that God won't, that he can't. And so I hope that this has been helpful for you today. I want to do basically three things, three things uh, in this short uh, period of time here. And we'll we'll kind of go through them uh, uh, somewhat quickly. But the first thing I want to do is just quickly recap. Uh, just just what we've done over the last few weeks, if I can. And then the second thing is I want to just briefly address five questions, five questions that I think that pretty much captures uh, some of the things that all of us uh, may be wondering or still dealing with when it comes to the chatterbox. And then I just want to conclude with just a little bit of encouragement uh, coming from the scripture that we're going to read uh, this morning from 2 Kings chapter 13. So I'm going to read that scripture now, and then we're going to put a kind of a pause, uh, put a, a mark there, and then we're going to come back to it at the end. First, uh, 2 Kings, rather, chapter 13. Um, we're going to read verses 14 through 19, a very one of those stories in the Bible that we typically don't read. And you probably have never even read it before, um, but it, it is an interesting story. So verse 14 says, now, when Elisha had fallen sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joaz, a king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him, crying, saying this, my father, my father, the chairs of Israel and his horsemen. And Elijah said to him, take a bow and an arrow. So he took a bow and an arrow. Then he said to the king of Israel, draw the bow. And he drew it. And Elijah laid his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the window eastward. And he opened the window. Then Elijah said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria. For you shall fight the Syrians in Apec until you have made an end of them. Then he said, Take the arrows, the rest of the arrows that he had. And he said now and he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground with them. And he struck the ground three times and stopped. 
Then the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you had made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. Kind of a weird story. And we'll kind of talk in the end about how it relates to us. So uh, just to recap, just this, this subject of the chatterbox, we understand, as I mentioned before, that chatterbox will never stop, right? That it, is, it never goes away, that it never, you can't turn it off, um, that it will be with all of us always. It does not discriminate. It, does, it doesn't discriminate depending on who you are. Billy Graham says this, the Christian life is not a constant high. I have my moments of deep discouragement. I have to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, oh, God, forgive me or help me. We've all been there, right? That the Christian life, there was no promise that it was going to be great, right? I think we want to believe that when we get saved, we're like, oh, I'm a Christian now. It's going to be, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be great. God never promised us that. Um, if you really look at it, God uh, warned us that the Christian life is full of trouble and toil and, and there, there, there's going to be suffering. So he never promised us that it was going to be great. But he did promise us that he would be with us through whatever we went through. So if we recap the weeks, week one, we established what the chatterbox was. We talked about that the chatterbox is the repetitious noise of lies in our hearts and in our heads intended to distract us from hearing from God and walking into our destiny that he has purposed for our lives. And ultimately, we concluded that we can't stop it, but we can block it with the word of God. You remember the, the, the Beats commercial that, that just like the Beat uh, headphones can block out all the noise, that the word of God can block out all of the noise of the chatterbox. But it's important that we get in the word because, again, uh, we, we can't block it out on our own. We have to get in the word and we have to know what God has promised and what he's saying to us. Week two, we dealt with insecurity. And we talked about the fact that we all have some level of insecurity in our lives. There's something that we are insecure about. We use the example of Moses, how that when God called Moses to, to go down to Egypt to tell his people to let my people go, Moses' insecurities kicked in, right? First he started, he started making excuses that he was dysfunctional. That, that, that look, I killed somebody, I'm dysfunctional, I got problems, or you don't want to use me. Then when that excuse didn't work, then he said, I'm deficient. I can't talk good. How am I going to be your spokesperson when I, I'm not a good speaker? That excuse wasn't good enough. And then he just basically said, look, I'm just not good enough. Find somebody else. And if we're all honest with ourselves that we all have dysfunctions, we all have deficiencies, and we all deal with uh, issues of saying at some point in our lives, I'm just not good enough. But what we did learn from this is that we can overcome insecurity with the promise that God says I am. That I am everything you need, that I can help you overcome all of your insecurities, whatever your deficiencies, whatever the things that you're dealing with, I am everything that you need. Week three, we dealt with fear. We all get afraid of things. There are things that, that, that paralyze us in our lives. Uh, and, and we dealt with how that, that fear can cause us to miss out on God's blessings. We can miss out on what God has for us because we're stuck in fear where we are. And God is wanting us to move forward in our lives, but we can't because we're stuck. We use the example of Paul as he was traveling uh, on the ocean and he was shipwrecked. Now, Paul had already been warned that a storm was coming, but nobody wanted to listen to him. And so they went ahead anyway. Now, when the storm came, everybody got what? 
they got afraid. But Paul did not have fear because he had the promise of God that in the midst of the storm, I will keep you and protect you. And so what we learn from that is that no matter what we deal with, God says he has. That he's promised us that he has saved us, that he has forgiven us, that he has set us free, that he has provided everything we need in our lives. Then we four, we dealt with condemnation and shame. We talked about the soundtrack of everything that we've done wrong in our lives that continues to play over and over in our heads. All the mistakes, all the the miscues, all the things that that we don't really want anybody else to know about us. That that, that soundtrack is just playing over and over and over. It's on a constant loop in our lives. And we talked about Peter, right? How that Peter denied Jesus three times and he was shameful about what he did. But the Bible lets us know that God does not condemn us, nor does he put us to shame. However, he promises us that actually he promises us that he will, that he will free us, forgive us, that he is there to be with us, that that we don't have to be ashamed. The Bible says there is no more condemnation to him that is in Christ Jesus. And then finally, in week five, we dealt with discouragement. We dealt last week with discouragement that that in all of our lives, what we get down. Uh, right. That there are things that just get us down. And, 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 and as we said in the beginning, sometimes we're up, but a lot of times we're down. Right. And if you really be honest, we have probably more downtime than we have uptime. And Satan wants to make us believe that 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 we are not going to make it because of what we're going through. But the Bible teaches us through the story of Leah, who was discouraged by the fact that she was hated not only by her husband, but even her own sister hated her. And so she was trying to come compensate for that by having children. And after every birth of every son, she was saying, now this time he'll love me. Now this time he'll love me. But then she got to the fourth son and she said, you know what? Forget all of that. I'm not working for his love anymore. This time I'm going to praise God. And so we get the promise that God says that I can. I can sustain you through what you're going through. I can provide for you. I can set you free. I can encourage you to help you to go a little longer. Ooh, that was a lot, right? Yeah, man. That's what we talked about. That's what we talked about in five weeks. Recap. That was a recap. All right. So, based off of all that, we're here today, and, and, and I want to go through, moving on to five questions that, that I think impacts all of us. The first question is this. What do I do if the chatter comes from someone close to me? See, it's easy to say, we've been talking all this time about the chatterbox within our minds, right? That is to talk within ourselves. But what do we do when the chatterbox is somebody close to us? Somebody living in the same house as us? Somebody that's got the same last name as us? Somebody, you know, I'm just saying, none of you dealing with this, but you might know somebody that has a chatterbox that's with you. Well, the first thing is that we have to recognize is we have to deal with criticism. We have to get an understanding about criticism because not all criticism is chatter. Now, 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 none of us like to be criticized, right? Most of us, no matter how you smile and try to say, oh, yeah, I like constructive criticism. Deep down, nobody likes to hear criticism, right? And so it's easy for us that when we hear criticism that we say after this sermon, I, can, I know some of y'all are like, mm, no, I'm going to give you the hand because you chatter. Well, not all criticism 
is chatter. Because if we if we don't recognize the difference between positive constructive criticism and and noise when people are trying to tear us down, what will happen is is that we will find ourselves being uncoachable, okay. unteachable because people are trying to help us and we're saying, "Oh no, you that's chatter. That's chatter. I'm good just the way I am." But criticism is a necessary part of helping us to better ourselves to become what God wants us to be. And the second thing is the big one. We have to avoid negative people. Now, how many of us can say that there is somebody in your life that's just straight up negative? Amen. Just we all have them. There are people in our lives that are just negative. Unfortunately, some of those people are the ones that are closest to us. And that is a challenge because how do we deal with people that we love, that we know, that we're connected to, but we can't stand talking to because they just bring us down? Well, the thing is that we have to realize that if somebody is in your life that's constantly feeding the chatter of insecurity, fear, condemnation, discouragement, and more. You just simply have to limit your access. The bottom line is this, because there are some people, there are people that pour into you and there are people that drain from you. And somewhere along the way, you're going to get drained down so much that you're going to get drained out. And what ends up happening when you get drained out is that now you are you have nothing to give anybody. And now you've been separated from God so you can't get poured back into. And so sometimes we have to say, I'm going to have to put distance. I love you, but I'm going to have to put some distance between us. I'm going to have to talk to you maybe just once a month. See you every now and then. And, and I guarantee you this, when you put that distance, the next time you see them, you're going to, be, you're going to remember why you put the distance, right? right? You're going to remember. This is the reason why I only talk to you once a month. All right, we'll talk to you next month. Amen? So, so, so then thirdly, don't assume that everything you hear is from the devil. Now, this kind of goes back to the first one. Because... Again, recognizing that criticism offered out of love is helpful to us. There is no formula. There is no formula we can use for our relationships. Sometimes people speak truth into our lives. Sometimes people speak hurtful things into our lives. And sometimes people just don't say the right thing at all. And, 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 and that's just the reality of what we have to have to deal with. It's up to us through the guidance of the word of God that we learn how to distinguish what people are speaking into us. Because sometimes people are trying to speak positive, life-giving things to us, but because we're so hurt by all the other things, we're not receptive to it. And so we're missing out on a blessing. On the flip side, there are people that are speaking negative things into our lives and hurtful things, and those are the things we listen to. Isn't that amazing that we listen to the mess that people say about us more than we listen to the positive? Isn't it amazing that somebody will tell, say something positive to you, and our first response, we think this is humility, but this is actually false humility. Our first response is, uh, you know, you know, no, I'm not. It's not. I'm not really like that. Somebody tell you you're beautiful. Oh, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not really beautiful. You just joking. But but but, but we what we do is is that we 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 put our own selves down when people are trying to speak life into us. When God is using people to speak life into us, and we allow in the chatterbox and our own insecurities to not receive the life giving blessings that God is sending our way. So then the second question. Oh, actually, there's one more on this. I'm sorry. I know, but there's one more on this. Rely on the Holy Spirit to discern God's voice. Okay. 
rely on the Holy Spirit to discern God's voice. In order for us to hear God, we need God to hear God, right? That, that, is, that is basically the problem that we deal with, is that there's so much chatter in our, in, our, in our heads that sometimes we can't distinguish if it's God talking to us or if it's the enemy talking to us. And so, again, we have to get in the word and we have to rely on the Holy Spirit to help us discern, is this of God? Or is this of the enemy? Mm-hmm. And let me tell you something. God's never going to lie to you. Mm-hmm. He's never going to condemn you. He's never going to, to, to dig at your insecurities. He's never going to, to do anything or say anything that makes you fearful. So, so those, those are the basic principles that we can, we can use to start distinguishing uh, between God speak and the enemy speak. Right. Okay, the second question is this. How do I teach my kids to crash the chatterbox? How do I teach my kids? If you have kids, how do I teach my kids to crash the chatterbox? The first thing is we have to have to, to, to deal with here is we have to play the soundtrack of God's love for them. Okay. Now, now, we talked about the soundtrack of shame, right? That there's a soundtrack of all the things we've done wrong. We have an incredible responsibility to teach our children about the love of God. They're just not going to figure it out on their own. It is up to us as parents, grandparents, whatever uh, role that you have in the life of a child to teach them about the love of God. Because it's only the love of God that will sustain them through life. It is when you have the down moments in your life, when you're going through the worst times of your life, the only thing that you have to hold on to is the fact that I know that God loves me. And because he loves me, all the promises that he will, that he can, that, that he has, all those promises I can hold on to. Friends, we have to repeatedly speak this into our children. The problem is, is that a lot of times we speak negativity in our children. Don't you hate hearing uh, parents when a kid does something wrong and you just tell them how bad they are? You tell them, oh, you no good. You're bad. You, You know, well... They're only going to be what you pour into them, right? So the more that you tell a child how bad they are, how dumb they are, how uh, uh, deficient that they are, well, guess what? That's what they're going to be. Our children do not need anybody to pour negativity in them any more than the world will already do. They'll get that at school. They'll get negativity from their teachers. They'll get negativity all throughout life. They don't need uh, anybody else to pour negativity into them. What they need to do is they need for us to pour love, understanding, and teaching into them. Think about this. What if God really told us and really spoke to us about ourselves? Does God tell us how stupid we are? Does he tell us how, how ridiculous we are? Does he tell us how disobedient we are? Uh, so, so if God, creator of the universe, does not speak to his children that way, then I ask you the question, why do you speak to your children that way? Because what you pour in is what you get out. What you pour in is what you get out. And so God pours love into us. Now he, now, he tells us that he, he, he is just and that and then if we do wrong, he will punish us. But punishment is done out of love. And he punishes us, but he also encourages and builds us back up again. The next thing that we have to do to help our children is we have to tell our story. 
to tell our story. One of the things that I try to do with Jaden and Jordan is that when I find situations that they're dealing with um, uh, and to, to help them understand and, and to help them get through it, is I tell them how I dealt with it and how I went through it. See, a lot of times when we have kids, we want to make our kids believe that, that we're perfect. Mm-hmm. We never do nothing wrong. We grew up perfect. We, you know, and, and so what we have done is that we've painted a false sense of reality in their lives. Mm-hmm. So they think that because my parents are perfect, I have to be perfect. And when I'm not perfect now, I'm shameful because I know that they're going to condemn me. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we have to be honest with our children. You don't have to tell them all the details, but you have, but you do need to tell them, look, I know what you're going through. I know what you dealt with. I know, I know how, I know uh, this situation. Situation, but you do need to tell them something, right? right? You need to tell them, hey, I was in this same position. This is how I handle it. Right. This, I was in this situation and I didn't listen to my parents. This is the result. We have to tell our stories to our children. And even though it can be hard uh, to, to, for us to come out of that closet, per se, and, and, and speak that truth, it is important for our children to know that they're not going through life and they're not going through situations and the chatter is not only uh, significant to them. It's our responsibility as parents. The third question is this. How do I deal with the chatterbox when it comes out of nowhere? How do I deal with the chatterbox when it comes out of nowhere? I'm, I'm going along real good, right? Everything is clicking in my life. You know, I, 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 I've been in the word. I've been holding on. You know, I haven't really had a lot of chatterbox moments. But then all of a sudden, bam, the chatterbox hits me and it comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. The first thing is look for the pressure points or the danger zones in your life. Mm-hmm. Look for the pressure points or danger zones in your life. This is when we are the most susceptible to chatter. For me, I'll give you an example. I'm susceptible when my plans fall through or when something that I did not plan for because I'm a control freak that I did not plan for and and something unexpected happens. Then that's when I'm just like, oh, and then the chatterbox just kicks in and starts talking all the things because the chatterbox knows what I'm susceptible to. So the point for us is we have to realize what are our pressure points? What is that thing in in your life, in my life, that will cause me to be the most acceptable to the chatter? What what, what is that thing? What are my pressure points? In other words, what are the buttons that get pushed in my life that that when that happens, I automatically get discouraged? Mm -hmm. You know, or when this happens, I automatically start feeling insecure. Or when this happens, I automatically start to feel fearful or shameful. What are those pressure points? Because when you can recognize what your pressure points are, then then when you are experiencing them, then you can have your guards up against the chatterbox. Think about it like this. Nobody goes into a fight without really recognizing what their weaknesses are, right? You can't go into a battle um, just, just going in there head on into a war, you and your little army, and not really recognizing what are my, our weak points. What are the what are the the points where where the enemy can overtake us? You have to consider that and then have a strategy for it, right? Because ultimately, you want to win the battle. Then here's the next thing: spend time with God every day. Amen. This this is this is a hard one. Spend time with God every day. When we don't touch base with God in the morning or at some point in the day. 
we become susceptible to the enemy the rest of the day. It's just like this. Just like this. Imagine going to the grocery store hungry. What happens? When you go to the grocery store hungry, you buy all the stuff that you shouldn't buy, right? And that you don't need. You load up on all the junk, all the, all the stuff that you know you don't need to buy and don't need, and you bring it all home. But when we don't, when we don't uh, spend time with God on a daily basis, what ends up happening is that we grab the junk food and pour that into our lives. The chatterbox fills our lives with junk, with junk. And he's constantly filling us up with junk. When God is trying to give us a, a steady diet uh, that, will, that, uh, that is nutritious, that is trying to help us and to grow us. And so we have to spend time with him. The best time is in the morning. We saw an example when she first woke up. Chatterbox starts right then. It happens to me every Monday morning. When the alarm goes off, I'm like, oh, I got to go to work. And from that point on, chatter kicks in. And so that's the reason why we have to start our day with God. Carve out time. Make it a part of your schedule. Do whatever you can do. Then the last, last one for this one is don't over-spiritualize everything. You know, when we get Christians, we try to over-spiritualize stuff. We, just, we get complicated. You know, we make things complicated. Yes, we are made of body, mind, and spirit. But sometimes we try to spot, solve problems at a spiritual level when they basically are just a physical issue. Right? They're, they're, just, they're just some things you just need to stop. You don't need to pray about it. You don't need to ask God about it. You don't need to try to find a scripture for it. You just need to don't do it. I mean, there's nothing spiritual about some of this stuff. We, we just need, we know what, we, what we're supposed to do. We know what we're not supposed to do. And, and we don't need a, a theologian or a preacher. I got to call the pastor. No, you don't need to call me. You, you just don't do it. You know what it is. Don't over-spiritualize everything. He tells us that sometimes we just need to do things like laugh. Laugh at all. Some things you just need to just, you know what, that was stupid and hey, it's funny. I mean, it's just straight up funny. Sometimes we just need to take a deep breath, right? Count to 10. You know, I have to do that a little count, like one, then count again. One, two, you know, you have to count to 20, count to 100, whatever it is. Sometimes you just need to go take a nap. Hey, taking a nap, that's the best reset that you can take. Now, I used to, I used to think sometimes, okay, sometimes that's just kind of running and not dealing with it. Sometimes it is that, but sometimes, hey, you just need to, I need to shut down and take this nap, and when I wake up, I'm just going to start over again. So sometimes you just need to go for a walk outside. Just go walk around the building. Go, go get some fresh air. Just get your mind off of it. Let God speak to you. And sometimes you just need to sing a song. Don't sing. You know, there's certain songs you need to sing. Now, we talked about this last time. Now, when you when you down and out, don't sing, don't sing the blues. You know, you need to sing something uplifting. You know, if you mad, don't go, don't go put on gangster rap. I mean, that's not going to help your situation. You know, you need to sing something. You need something uplifting. Uh, so you need to play the right thing. But don't over-spiritualize everything. All right, the fourth question is this. Why is it so hard for me to feel affirmed and so easy for me to feel condemned? Why is it? And I talked about that earlier. It's so easy for us to feel condemned, feel shameful, feel bad about life. But it's so difficult for us to feel affirmed, to feel like, you know, I'm good, that I'm doing my best, that God loves me. 
first thing is, is that we have to see that God whispers because he's close. A lot of times when we feel condemned, we're like, where are you, God? Where are you, God? I can't, I can't hear you. You're not, you're not, I can't hear you. But that's because the chatter is so loud. Mm-hmm. The difference between God and the chatter is that God is always nearby us. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need the yell. Mm-hmm. He's right there. He said, I'm with you. The chatter has the yell because the chatter is really at a distance from us. And, and, and the more we stay connected to God, the more the, the distance we can put between us and the chatter. Remember the story of, of Elijah. When Elijah got all discouraged, he had just won the battle, had slayed all of the, all of the, uh, the, the prophets of Baal. He got God to rain fire down from heaven on, on, on the altar. And then at one word that, that he heard that the queen said that she was going to kill him, he got scared and ran. Got discouraged. Mm-hmm. Was just sitting in a in a in a cave. And and, and remember the story how that the, the earthquake happened and he thought that was God. No God. Then, you know, a loud uh wind came, he thought that was God, no God. And then God spoke to him in a small, still voice. Friends, God is saying to us that that I'm right there with you. And if you and if you keep me close to you, that's why the Bible talks about abide in me. And I will abide in you. The closer we keep God to us, the more that we can hear his affirming words talking to us saying, you're okay. You're okay. It's all right. You're good. And we won't hear the condemnation. Then the next one for this is, and I can't remember how I put it up there, but think about change. Think about change. It says, if there are things God wants you to change in your life, those aren't bad things to think about. Right. Think about it. We don't want to think about the stuff that we need to change, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we know, okay, God, I know I need to change this. I know I need to, but, but we don't want to think about it. Mm-hmm. But that's the stuff that we need to think about. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that we need to be addressing. Instead of just saying, well, this is just the way I am. Mm-hmm. I hate that excuse. <laughs> I hate that. It's just that, that, that takes no accountability for your life or your actions. It's just the way I am. No, that's not the way you are. That's the way you choose to be. Because with God's help, you can change any aspect of your life. It's the way we talk to ourselves about changing that will either lead us to God or drive us from him. We are free to change when we separate our works from our performance. That's that's where the condemnation and the shame comes in. Because we attach our value to what we do. Mm-hmm. And then that's how the world judges us. If, if, if you have this job and you're making this money and you, you're, you, know, you have this position, then you're, you're somebody. Right. And, and so we, we attach worth to performance. God does not look at us that way. He looks at us that our worth is in him. No matter what we do or we don't do, our value to God is still the same. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. Our value to God is still the same no matter what we do or we don't do. Mm-hmm. It says, and we have to realize that in the moment that we're in right now, where we are, God loves us as much as he ever will because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That, that, that at this moment, if I messed up or even if I got it right, if I still need to work on change or even at this moment I made change, God loves me the same. Mm-hmm. He's still there because of what Christ Jesus did for us on Calvary. Right. All right, we good? Mm-hmm. All right. Last question is this. What do I do when the chatterbox makes me feel guilty whatever I decide to do? You ever feel like that? 
just, I'm just, no matter what I do, I'm going to feel bad. It's just like there's just not a good, good solution to this problem. Well, the first thing is realize that messing up is a part of life. I mean, that's, that's the basic one for this. Messing up is a part of life. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Newsflash for all of us. We're, none of us are perfect. We're going to mess up. And it's okay. Because it's not about the mess up. It's about what you do once you've messed up. It's about, it's about what happens after the mess up. Every day you wake up. And every night you lay down, you will have flunked one area of your life. Right. You imagine going to school and the teacher telling you that, like, like at some point, at one day, you're going to flunk. You know, that was like, man. But, but, but it's true about life. We're, gonna, we, we're not going to get it all right. Mm-hmm. But we do have the opportunity not to do it again. Right. See, see, this is where, where it comes down to. When we flunk in an area of our life, then God gives us another opportunity to get that area right. The problem happens is when we keep flunking in the same area every day after day after day after day. And then that's where God is saying, what's up? What's going on? Are you willing? Do you want to make change in your life? And that's when the chatterbox just sits down. Because now he knows I got you. This area, you won't let go of it. You're not working towards it. And I'm just going to keep talking. I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to make you feel bad about it. Have you ever been there where you, you have something you're struggling with? Um, and, that, that you're, you're, and it seems like you can't uh, let go of it or overcome it. And it's just the, every time you do it, you just, it's just the first thing happens. See, there you go again. There you go again. You ain't never going to get this right. How 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 you gonna go to church? How you gonna how you gonna read your Bible, and you still doing this? Mm-hmm. You can't get this right. So the chatterbox wants to sit down on those things, and we have to we have to step up and say, Hey, look, I might have messed that up yesterday, but today I'm not gonna mess that up. Now I'm gonna mess up something else today. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Let's be honest. Like, look, I'm gonna mess something up today, but I'm not gonna mess up the same thing I did yesterday. Uh-huh. Okay, I mean that, that that's how we advance in our lives. Amen. Yes. All right, how we feel about those five questions? Yes. Any any other questions before we move on? Any other questions that anybody has about the chatterbox? Anything? I feel like those five kind of covered broadly every everything, but but I did want to give everybody an opportunity if they had a question before we move to the close that they could ask it. Anything? All right. How you close off the chatterbox between you and the Say, say you, your chatterbox be positive, but when you, when you leave from around your, your well-being and, and face, face what's out there, how, how can you help somebody else with their chatterbox? You help some, well, first of all, you got to get your chatterbox together. You know, first of all, you got to get yours because what happens is you take two people, you take two messed up people with bad chatterboxes, and then all they do is drag, drag each other down. Uh-huh. You know, that, that's what's going to happen. So, so what you, once you, once you, understand the formula, then basically you're just sharing the same thing with them. You, 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 the, the biggest thing that all of us have to realize is what's happening. Because we don't realize that the chatterbox is there. Because the chatterbox, it, he, he positions himself as yourself speaking to you. Mm-hmm. So, so, so we're our biggest enemy inside of our minds. We're the ones that are condemning ourselves and he's using our voice to talk to us. Right. And we have to understand, hey, the chatter, you have to get other people to understand. One, that, that God, does not, God doesn't speak negativity in your life. God does not speak negativity. He doesn't speak harm. He doesn't speak condemnation into your life. And if you hear that inside your head, that's not a God. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That that's that's of the enemy, and and now we can have the conversation about what are you dealing with. What what are the what are the the negative voices, the negative thoughts that are going in your head, and 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 how can now we change those negative things around and see how God really is talking to you? Because a lot of times there is there is an opposite side. You know, there's a negative and there's a positive. God is trying to speak the positive, and the enemy is speaking the exact opposite of that. Good good question. Any, any other questions? So as we conclude, as we conclude, what can we do to crash the chatterbox? And I want to just conclude just with this encouragement going back to 2 Kings chapter 13. Um, because very quickly, as we recap that, that, that story, that it, it talks here about the prophet Elisha, who was dying. <clears throat> and the king of Israel comes to him, uh, to Elisha on his deathbed. And he says, basically, look, we're in a battle. You know my situation. I'm running out of chairs. I'm running out of horsemen. I don't have what I need to fight this battle. I'm in an emergency situation. Calling 911, Prophet Elijah, uh, dial up God and give me some help. And so Elisha there on his deathbed tells him, this is a peculiar story. He tells him to open up the window, take out an arrow, and then shoot it towards the east. And then once he did that, he said, now, now God has given you the victory. Then he tells them, you know, I'm, I'm sure the king was like, okay, I'm good. Hey, I shot the arrow. This is good. Then Elisha tells him to do something real peculiar. He says, now take the rest of the arrows. And he says, strike the ground. Now, he didn't tell him how many times to strike the ground. He just said, strike the ground. Now, the king decided in himself that he was going to strike the ground three times. Now, I'm, I'm sure he's thinking, well, he said, strike the ground. I did it more than once. So, hey, I'm good. I'm good. The interesting thing is the response that Elisha, Elisha had. Because Elisha got upset with the king. Because he said, you struck the ground three times. You could have struck it as many times as you wanted to. But you only struck it three times. And because you only struck it three times, that's all, that's all the victory you're going to get over the enemy. Now that seems kind of strange. But friends, I ask this question. How many times will we strike the ground to get the victory over the chatterbox? See, we talked about the fact that the chatterbox never ends. But the question is, how much victory do you want? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes when we're dealing with it, we, we, we'll strike the ground once, maybe twice, maybe three times. But do we really want to overcome the chatterbox? Mm-hmm. Or are, are we willing to give in, and, or are we just willing to give in and accept living at the corner of humdrum and mediocrity? Or are we willing to keep pounding until something changes in my life? Too often most Christians, like you and I, are content to settle for simply surviving. Mm -hmm. We we, we just want to survive. Survive in this world. But God did not raise us up to just survive. God raised us up to change the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the power of his might and through the church. And, and, and if we don't make a decision within our own lives to say, look, I'm not here just to survive, but I'm here to be victorious like God has already promised me, then we can't make a difference in the lives of other people. Amen. The thing is, I know we get tired. I, the, the, the struggle is real, as they say. Mm-hmm. Struggle is real. I know we get tired. I know, I know the fight gets difficult. But you see, with every victory that we gain, the other side of it is that there's another battle to fight. 
But sometimes we get tired of the fight. But the question comes back, how much victory do you want? Is it just good enough to win the battle in just this area of my life? But I'm tired from that battle, and look, I just can't fight this one, so I'm just going to wave the flag of surrender. Or are we going to keep fighting? God has placed his arrows of faith, truth, grace, power, and trust in our hands. They're right there. They're in our hands. He's given all of us these arrows. And he is speaking to us and he is saying, strike the ground, strike the ground. Do it over and over and over again. Don't stop. Don't give in to your enemy. Don't settle for good enough. Keep striking because you don't need to settle for nothing less than the best. Friends, are you going to wait to die before you start living? Interesting question. Are we going to wait to start to, to die before we start living. A lot of times we, we, we talk about what's going to happen on the other side. When we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, we're going to put on our robes. We're going to put on our shoes. We're going to walk around God. Y'all act like y'all know, y'all know that song. Walk around God's heaven. But, but Jesus said that I come that you might have life now and that you might have it more abundantly. Yes. Remember this. Eternal life starts when you embrace your relationship with Jesus Christ. The, the, the clock of your eternity starts when you make up in your mind that I'm going to embrace what Jesus Christ did in my life. I'm going to embrace the teaching that he left for me, and I'm going to start living life the way he wants me to live. And from that point on, you're no longer confined to this world, but the Bible says you are living a life eternal, and you have everything you need to defeat the enemy in your mind. But friends, we have to put on the armor. Day after day, we have to get ready for the fight. Just like the lady in the video, when she got up, she knew the chatterbox was coming, and she got fed up with it, and she said, you know what, I'm going to fight back. Mm -hmm. But I recognize he's coming back again. Mm -hmm. Do you want to crash the chatterbox in your life? Then keep pounding the ground. All right. Keep pounding it again and again and again. Right. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't go into survival mode. Don't, don't, don't settle for being humdrum or mediocre. But keep pounding, keep pushing, keep striving, keep believing, and most of all, keep holding on to the promises of God. Right. Know this. It's great to determine, to be determined to defeat the chatterbox. That's great. We all want to defeat it. But friends... We need to be more determined to hear from the voice of God. Because the only way that we'll be able to defeat the chatterbox in our lives is when we start getting connected enough to him that we hear his voice so loud that it drowns out everything else. So my challenge to you as we, as we close out this, this series is you have the opportunity to live. You have the opportunity to have victory. You have the opportunity to, to overcome everything in your life. But the choice is yours. How much are you going to connect with God? How much are you going to put aside yourself and connect with him through his word, through prayer, so that his voice is the only voice that you hear in your life? Stand to your feet as we close today.